It's time for another episode of the Shift Your Life Podcast, Season 2, Episode 8. Good day, shifters, and welcome to another episode of the Shift Your Life podcast. This is Markeith Braden, the creator and host of the Shift Your Life podcast. And you know, it is our mission to help you get out of your own way so that you can shift from fear into fulfillment and from desire into your destiny. Every week we come to you with a brand new show, a brand new guest that we interview, someone who I highly respect, someone who I believe is an expert in their field. And this week is no different. This week, however, I decided that I wanted to do an interview with someone from my home city or who lives in my home city. He's not necessarily from Nashville, someone who I have come to know know as an individual of influence and an individual who desires to make a difference in his own community. And so we will have a great interview with none other than Lee Millette. Lee Millette is a Nashville-based financial advisor with nearly 25 years of industry experience. In the past, Mr. Millette has worked for Southwestern Company of Nashville, Edward Jones and Investment Recovery Services Incorporated, a healthcare subrogation investment firm. As a partner with IRSI, Lee served as chief financial officer and vice president of sales during his time with that company. In 2002, Mr. Millette established the Millette Group. The Millette Group Investment Services offers services in security investing and education business consulting and real estate investing as an expert in his field Millette works to ensure that his clients and future clients remain on the cutting edge of investment opportunities in order to encourage creative investing Millette keeps his finger on the pulse of financial trends and often determines ways for his clients to take advantage of out-of-the-box opportunities. And so we are not going to prolong the introduction. We're going to let Mr. Millette uh, share a little bit more about himself. But Shifters, I want you to know that this is an opportunity for you to learn some great things from an expert in the financial field. And one of the reasons why I asked him to come on the show was that I wanted him to share with us, you know, smart intellectual financial principles on how we can build generational wealth. Because I have come in contact and taught in the, uh, in the school system here in Nashville, and there are too many opportunities that go by that we as African Americans particularly uh, allow to slip by, uh, through our hands in not learning the, the concepts of money or not learning how money really works. And so that's why I decided to have this particular interview. So Mr. Millette, Lee Millette, welcome to the Shift Your Life podcast. Thank you, uh, Marquis. I 
privilege to be a part of your of your mission and the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Well, we did a quick introduction of who you were, a formal professional introduction, but I always like to give the guests an opportunity for them to share themselves on who you are, where you're from, and how you got into the business of finance. Hey, okay. All right. Well, that's that's a fair question. I am a product of Detroit, Michigan. Um, born and raised there and left at age 18 moved to North Carolina, where I attended North Carolina A&T for the first year and a half, but ultimately graduated from North Carolina Central University in Durham. Uh, during that time, I connected with a company out of Nashville, a Southwestern company, and it's a publishing company, but uh, I was on the front end of, of the publishing company. I was in sales, and our um, objective, our, our, our job was to actually go door to door and sell these educational books and some and, and Bibles and, and reading materials that enhance the learning experience for, for kids. It also made it uh, easier for their parents to help them out at home. Uh, most of us at some point in time, we forget math and we may call it new math, but it's still the same old math. And so these study guides uh, actually help people to work with their kids to make sure that they matriculated through school successfully. Um, so that was you know, it was a very forming time for me uh, because I not only had to uproot myself, not just from Detroit, but even from North Carolina. My first job or first year I sold books was in Gary, Indiana. And it was during a time where uh, the industrial cities were uh, where I was somewhere and saw whole blocks of homes that were foreclosed. And I saw people that were out of work and had been laid off and just really in despair. So, you know, this was the city of the Jacksons and uh, a city that at one time was a, a booming economic juggernaut in the, in, in the steel industry. And, and when I got there, it fallen on hard times and I had to figure out how I was going to make a living during the summer uh, while I was there. And so, uh, so that was a very forming time for me because I learned, one, how to sell and present myself but also how to uh, make the best of the situation that I was dealt as opposed to complaining about the situation I was dealt. And so that, again, that was a forming time for me. After I graduated from college, I moved to Nashville, worked as a sales manager with Southwestern Company. And, and as I saw the uh, opportunity to move up and I saw there was a great opportunity, what I realized was that I would have to travel more than I was traveling. Uh, as a sales manager, I traveled 300 days out of the year then. And as I looked at my director, he traveled 330 days out of the year. Wow. Said, eh, you know, that's probably not what I want to do uh, at, you know, when I get get married and have kids and those types of things. So I, um, I knew at some point I wanted to get in the field to uh, learn how and also teach people how to build wealth. And, uh, and that opportunity came when I, was, when I left uh, Southwestern Company and uh, joined the Edward, jo Edward Jones company uh, out of St. Louis. And I opened Edward Jones as one of their first metro offices in the country. Uh, for a long time, they were uh, known as the rural uh, investment firm. They were, had an office on Main Street in every little town across the country. And, and so they, they had an objective to move into some of the uh, metropolitan areas. And, and I opened my office in Nashville on Clarksville Highway in 
um, you know, a higher income African-American community. And uh, and that office is still open. Uh, someone else runs it. But it's a successful office because uh, of the work that we did early on. Uh, awesome. Yep. So that's that's essentially who I am. Uh, I don't want to. I, I probably have more, but I'll move, <laughs> kind of uh, forego that and and let you jump into where you need to go. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that information. You know, when I started this show, one of the reasons why I started this show was really to help people understand truly what the difference is between success and significance. And one of the things that I always like to say when people are really interested in really being more significant in life and making more significant impact, that is, is that we all have a purpose. We all have a calling in life that we must fulfill in order for us to really go down that path of significance. And so it's important for me to always share this particular quote that I learned from Dr. Miles Monroe, and that is that the greatest failure in life is life without purpose, life with no direction. But then he goes on to say, he says, moreover, life's greatest tragedy is to be successful at the wrong assignment. And a lot of people are successful in their jobs and in the work that they do and they're successful in acquiring the things that they want in life but the question is 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 your success at the right assignment is your success uh, a fulfilling success or is it just um, something that you decided to do or somebody told you to do and you created a life based on that or did you really do the work in really understanding why was I sent here? Why was I put here on earth? Why do I have this time on earth to uh, to live? And what was I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And so what does purpose mean to you? Why is it important that individuals really know what their purpose is so that they can have a more significant and fruitful life? Uh, that's, a, that's a wonderful question. And I say that I have a, an 18 year old niece, right? That's uh, getting, getting ready to graduate from high school. And I'm, I share, I've shared with her that uh, in choosing your career or, or the path that you want to take, you need to pick something that you're passionate about, something that's important to you. Uh, what I found is that um, when you're passionate about something, your purpose, you're going to work so you're going to work hard at it, very hard, but it's not going to seem like it's work. Uh, more mm-hmm. importantly, whatever um, whatever you need out of life, you're going to get get it by fulfilling your purpose. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I use her her mom as an example. My brother as an example, and myself as an example. Our parents, uh, our mother, our, our mother especially, uh, wanted us to all be in the medical field, and uh, and so I kind of went along with that for a while because I didn't know any better. <laughs> but, <laughs> and that's what Mama said. But there, there came a time, uh, my in, I think maybe my junior year of high school, and I, I graduated from a school in Detroit, Cass Technical High School, and we actually had these curriculums that we would go into, and it was geared towards helping you um, ultimately accomplish the career path that you wanted to go down. And somehow, uh, my counselor, through what the, the assessment said he used, said, hey, Hey, you know, I think you should be in in business, marketing, distribution, something like that. It, uh, I know you said t- you were interested in, in in science and medical, but there's nothing about our conversations or your testing that suggests that that's really what you want to do. 
Mm-hmm. And, and internally, I was like, great, because I really don't. I want to be a real estate developer and I want to own car dealerships. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I knew what I wanted to do. But again, you know, my, my mother wanted me to go down a, a certain path. Uh, and uh, but ultimately, my mother also recognized that I, that really wasn't my thing. And she kind of she backed off and uh, and saw that. I was able to and, and start making preparations to go into business, whether it was throwing parties in the city of Detroit at, in high school and making really good money from from doing those things. Right. Uh, when I got to college and, and sold books and uh, my brother and I started a T-shirt company and just a lot of the things that I did, um, she recognized that, you know, Lee's path is different from uh, Sekou and Anna Louise. Now, Sekou and Anna Louise, my brother and sister, I'm the middle child. They're both physicians and they're so they're very passionate about what they do. And you can tell that they are by the way that they work. My brother right. would drive two hours to a rural part of, the, of, of Tennessee to see patients because he's in a specialty where a lot of these rural, rural towns don't don't have. Uh, and he, it cost him money. He could make more money by staying closer. It's not the right business model from a business person, but he's mission driven. And that's what he's doing. My sister is, you know, is the same and she's mission driven. And so I share with my niece that the reason we're all successful at what we do is not because of the field we're in is why it's because of why we're in the field. And that's uh, good. That's so I good. think that people will, uh, as they, be, are, are, if they're passionate about something and not doing it for the buck, they're going to make the buck mm-hmm. if they're doing what they really want to do and they'll make more money than they ever thought they would in doing so. But I think also we all have to remember that the primary reason, reason that we do something is not for the income. It's for uh, the purpose that we're, that we're put on this earth for. And that's really good. You know, I like the fact that you said that both your brother and sister and you, as it pertains to your profession, are mission driven. And so a shift question that we all should be asking ourselves is what you're doing each and every day, mission driven. I always like to refer to Steve Jobs when he did his last speech. I believe it was at Cornell University. And he said he would ask himself the question every single day when he would wake up that, am I going to do something that I really want to do? And he said that he would answer that question every day. And if there were enough times where he said that he really didn't want to go do what he was going to do, then he knew that it was time to change. He knew that it was time to change that situation and to change how he was feeling based on what it was that he was called to do for that season. And so is what you're doing today to create your level of success or to pursue that dream that you feel like you have in your heart? Is it mission driven or are you just following it or pursuing it because someone told you that it makes a lot of money or someone told you it would be a good idea because it's secure and comfortable and you have benefits and you have all these great things, you know, but is it really, truly mission driven? That's great. Great answer to that question. The second part to this question is how have you maintained uh, consistency or continue to follow your purpose all of these years in really helping people uh, really get their financial lives in shape. What keeps you motivated and excited about doing that? 
Well, Mark Keith, I think, again, you go back to being mission driven and understanding God's purpose for you on this earth. And, uh, and one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm very cognizant of is that he's given me different assignments, uh, whether it was being in charge of uh, a couple of building programs for, for my church uh, or community service projects or helping my brother and sister start their businesses or helping others start businesses. In doing all of those things, because I was mission driven and, and following his steps, I never had to worry about an income because mm. he always he always provided that for me through all of those uh, pro- those projects that he had me doing, and uh, and then even in, uh, having to work with some of the not so affluent uh, folks, you know, most you think about an investment advisor, you think you think, hey, he's only going to work with people that are rich. Uh, and you know, right. from a business model, it makes sense, believe me, <laughs> but from a mission standpoint, that's not why I got in the business. The, my purpose for being in the business mm-hmm. is to help people that, uh, that are truly serious about learning how to invest and building wealth and building generational wealth with whatever position God has placed them in, in their lives. Uh, and right. so being able to teach people, uh, everything from, you know, how to put, $25, a $100 a month away into a mutual fund and just showing them, hey, you put $100 a month away for 40 years, you could have close to a million dollars just in doing that. Um, and it's eye-opening to people that they could they could do something like that. 40 years, that's $48,000 that you've turned into over a million dollars mm-hmm. just by investing it, by putting it away. And then, of course, you have people that say, and this is always fun because you know uh, yourself, when I, uh, some of the 401k plans that I manage, I have an opportunity to talk to larger groups of, uh, of people, uh, at different levels, you know, from the, the, uh, the, the, the folks that pick up the trash and clean up the desk to the people that run the companies. And people will say, well, how am I going to get money to invest and put into my 401k plan? And I'll tell them, quite frankly, bring your lunch. Because most of you, most people spend $10 a day on lunch and you take $10 a day times 20 working days. That's $200 a month. And if you do $200 a month into a mutual fund for 40 years, you got, you got two and a half million dollars. And they look at me like, Oh, well, uh, I got to give up lunch. No, you don't have to give up lunch. We all have food at home. Somebody's prepared typically something. We could bring leftovers. We could make a sandwich and probably we would be healthier too. <laughs> so, right, right. Uh, but but something just that simple. Uh, I'm always uh, always reminded. I have a uh, one of my clients. Uh, uh, you know, one of her employees comes will tell me from time to time. You know, I remember when you told me to get rid of my cable because the cable TV execs were going to have a retirement, and I was paying for it. And I thought about it. I'm paying $140 a month, and I can't save anything myself. That's $1,800 a year that I can put up. And so and true. I did. That. I did that and uh, and I don't miss it, you know, and with the Internet and all that stuff that's available now, I get all the TV and entertainment I need, uh, but I'm also able to save. And so those are the practical uh, opportunities that I've had to really help people enhance their lives. But then, you know, take it a step further. I have an opportunity to help people start thinking about buying homes, not just homes to live in, but rental property because now if you can take your eighteen hundred dollars a year and save it and, and save it for five years and you got ten thousand dollars and you might be able to go out and find a, a a nice rental property 
that you can put 10, 20% down. And if you've kept it, maintained your credit, you can get a loan, rent the property out. Someone else is going to pay it off while that property appreciates. And, um, and so those things are really, really fun to do, uh, to show people that. But even at, at another level, you know, I have clients that make seven figures a year. And because people don't really learn how to invest in college, in elementary school or high school, the fact that they make a lot of money doesn't mean that they know what to do with it. And, right. and that's, a, that's a misconception. And so I'm able to talk to them and say, you know, hey, let's take this money and, and put it into uh, an investment where you're, one of your tenants is Walgreens uh, or, or Target or the Kro- your neighborhood Kroger store. I'm like, oh, wow, I can do that? Oh, yeah, yeah, this is how you do that. And, and people are doing this all over the country, but a lot of African-American folks aren't really introduced to this. And these are, these are opportunities I'm able to bring to my clients, even uh, get them into investing into oil and oil wells and uh, learning how to, to um, make income off of royalties from just owning the mineral rights to that land. Uh, so it's, it's just exciting to me really to open people's eyes and give them opportunities and, and help them do things. I think the, the one of the, uh, the last point is a lot of people, African-Americans, we love insurance. Uh, we'll, mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. of times we'll yeah. be, ca- we'll be uh, cash poor, but invest- and insurance rich. Now, keep in mind when you die, uh, the only the people that benefit are people you leave that policy to. But in case you live a long time and you don't have anything, then what are you going to do if you don't have anything saved up? So I'm not saying don't have insurance because it's very important, if you, especially if you have a family. Uh, but is but instead of if if you have to make a decision between um, putting money away for your kids' college tuition or buying an insurance policy on them, put the money towards their college tuition. They're more likely to live than they are to die in in the short term. And if they do pass away, take the money out of the college fund and you can use that to supplement their, um, their burial costs. And even for yourself personally, don't have $10 million worth of insurance and you don't have anything saved up. You want to have enough money, whether it's five to six times your income, to set, to set aside for your family. If you have a family, if you don't have a family, then who are you leaving insurance to? You need to make sure you're saving for yourself and investing for yourself so that in the event you live longer than you planned on, you have resources to to draw from. Uh, and so even that counseling, I think, is important in helping people understand how to build wealth versus uh, spending money on, on some things that may not be that important to them, but they think are important to them. Wonderful advice. Great advice on what we can do with our money if we really are more intentional about saving, really more intentional about directing our money in the proper direction. And so we talk a lot about on this show successes, but I always have that one question so that people can understand that everything about those who I interview or even my own personal life hasn't been a success. And so what is one obstacle or what's been the biggest obstacle that you've had to overcome in following this passion in the area of finance? Wow. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been, uh, an independent advisor, which means I've owned my own firm for 20 years. And um, yeah, I worked for Edward Jones for two years. And uh, and then, of course, yeah, my career was Southwestern. So for the last 20 years, I've been responsible for my paycheck. Uh, 
and that includes throughout the recession. And, uh, you know, where some people, if they lost their job, they got a severance check or something like that. Uh, all I did was just get less of a check. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> and so uh, I, th what, I think one of the things that uh, so going through that time, not just uh, business wise, but even personally, it was also a time that, you know, I went through a divorce and, and some other other th other things. Uh, and, uh, but I think that, you know, the important thing my pastor told me, especially while going through the divorce, he said, Lee, you know, I know it's a tough time. It's, it's a, you know, it's a loss. Uh, you're going to have a lot of questions and, and everything, but you know, the way you, the way to get through this is to make sure you're in church as many times as you, you can be in a week. Um, be there on Sundays, be there on Wednesdays, uh, and surround yourself with the right people. And, 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 and because it's not always easy to keep a positive attitude. So you need positive people. Right. Right. You, right. You right. You That's good. Pity, That's good. Yeah, you, don't, you don't need pity party friends or pity party pals. You need uplifting friends. And, That's right. And so, and then you need to be in a, in a ministry that ministers to you and what you're going through. And, and, and those, and, and that's literally what got me through that time was the fact that every Sunday that I was in, in town, I went to church. Um, the people that I surrounded myself were positive people. I didn't, I, you know, I asked them to not tell me about some specific things because it really wasn't important to me and it, it weren't things that I could control. So let's not bother with that. Let's talk about how we're going to, how, how we're going to move forward and things that we can do to move forward. And in doing that, you know, my um, challenge from an economic standpoint through the uh, recession was short lived. Uh, we had some of the best years in business that we've ever had during that uh, in 2010, 2011. And that's because some of the people that we surrounded ourselves with were able to open up other opportunities that uh, that hadn't been available prior to uh to this to the economy it hadn't been available available to me during that time and and making them available to me it allowed me to make them available to my clients and uh, you know i think one thing one way to look at it is even when there's 10 or 15 percent unemployment it's still 85 to 90 percent of people working and so yeah. you know so that means that those are the people that you focus on that you can work with and they're still looking to invest and still mm -hmm. looking for opportunities. And we were able to talk to them and teach them about investing when values were down. The best time to buy real estate is when the value is down. The best time to buy a stock is when the value is down. Uh, as opposed to a lot of people, they buy when it's high and they sell when it's low. Because uh, they, they want to wait to see what's going to happen instead of understanding the, the cycle of life. And the cycle of life means that we're all going to have some bad times. But those those times are going to get better. And the same thing happens in investing. You know, housing values may go down, but they're going to come back up. Uh, you know, your, your it may go down, but you can you stay at it. It's going to come back up. The stock market's going to come back up. That's how God has has put this earth together. Uh, we go through challenges, but we have to, you know, with him, we're able to get through those challenges and thing, things get better. And so uh, for me. Going through those challenging times only made me better and helped me come out stronger mm -hmm. and able to even move to another level with some of the things that we're doing now. That's good. That's good. And, I, you know, I like the fact that you said 
surrounding yourself with the right people, you know, because sometimes we go through these various challenges and situations and we're not really surrounded around the right people that can help bring us out. And so it's good that your pastor had recommended you one, come to church more often, but two, you know, find the right people to surround yourself around so that as you're going through these challenges, you're not a woe is me type of person, you know, you're not to your own thoughts. You're not to your own conversation. But yet there are people surrounded around you that can help lift you up even in those seasons. And so what would you say would be the number one lesson that you took away from those challenges, whether it be the divorce or whether it be the time, the lean times when you were having to provide your own paycheck? What would be one primary lesson learned in one either one of those? And I I think it's the same lesson for both. Um, it is that uh, God doesn't intend for you to stay in this negative situation uh, forever. Mm-hmm. It's, he, he does say you're going through. And so in going through, you, you, you stop in for a minute, you refill, you get what you need and you get on out of there uh, and, you, and you start moving forward again. Uh, and so staying connected with God and understanding that uh, his purpose for your life is not to be a um, in a bad place, is not to be depressed, is not to to uh, be downtrodden. His his place for you is on top because that's really where he that's the testimony. Right. And, you know, he he wants testimony and he wants praise and uh, he does want recognition for what he's able to do. And I, and I, I real, will say this. He put me in some places where. He's the only one that could have gotten me out of that. Um, there's, I could, Lee couldn't have gotten himself out. Marquise couldn't have gotten me out. Uh, no one could have gotten me out. Guy's the only one that could have gotten me out. And, uh, and you know, I have kids, and, you know, my son and his friends, would, those were my hanging partners for a while during that time. <laughs> uh, and, you know, they cracked me up. They kept my spirits up. And uh, just watching them and teaching them and have them uh, around, was beneficial and uplifting to me because it continuously let me know that there's a generation coming uh, behind me that I'm responsible for making sure that uh, that not only are they equipped to go through tough times, but they're equipped to handle the really good times and to be good people. And uh, and I think, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, we we have to uh, keep that in mind as we're going through whatever God has us going through. That's good. Going through the challenges are temporary. So don't make any permanent decisions while you're going through temporary situations. Indeed. And so, don't, don't put your bed down in those temporaries. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to be right back and we're going to ask Lee Mullet his top five uh, strategies that we can do to build generational wealth. And then we're going to do some shift zone one answer quick questions before we close out the show so we'll be right back after this brief commercial do you have a message that needs to be heard but rarely get an opportunity to share maybe you have a workshop seminar or class you want to provide but need an outlet to share the value of your event or perhaps your coaching business is stagnant and needs an innovative way to engage new clients What if there was a proven way to accomplish all of those things with one tool and the right strategy? Well, look no further. I have created a program called Cast It 
2016. Magnify your voice, maximize your platform, and monetize your message. If you are a coach, speaker, or an author, and you're interested in podcasting, Cast It 2016 is for you. If you are interested, please reach out to me at Markeith at MarkeithBrayton.com. Markeith at MarkeithBrayton.com and I will receive your email and reach back out to you as soon as possible. And remember, you can cast it in 2016. All right, shifters, we are back with Lee Millette. He is an investment advisor, financial advisor here in Nashville, Tennessee. He is a friend. I consider him a friend and someone who is a great mentor as well. You know, we stop him sometimes in the gym and ask him a few questions and he's willing to give that advice. But today he is on the Shifted Life podcast, helping us learn how to build generational wealth. And so, Lee, I want to dig deep into what are five strategies that we can do or the listening audience can do to really begin to build generational wealth, not just wealth for our own personal lifetime, but generational wealth. What are those top five strategies you think we should be doing? Yeah. So, so I think, you know, the, the first step, uh, as in anything that's going to be meaningful is to, uh, write, write out your mission, write out your goals. You know, what is it that you're, you're trying to, to do and what does that mean to you? Um, I want to mean, I want to have a $20 million state. Well, why? And what does that mean? How do you, how do you see yourself getting there to, to, to do that? Uh, maybe it's, I need five, I want to have a $500,000 state still. Why? And what does that mean? So what's, what's your, what's your mission statement when you're doing that? Um, you know, I, because general creating generation wealth means different things to different people. It right. depends on where you are and where your station in life is. And uh, it's easy to say I want a $20 million uh, estate when you have 19. But <laughs> but how do you get there from zero? And so that's about, that's the first thing. But you, you have to write this stuff out. It's got to, it's got to you know, write the vision, make it plain. Um, this, this, the second thing that you have to do is after you've written it out, then you have to... Um, determine that you're going to be committed to it it's it's again it's like you know we work out at the at the, at the gym um and we go a lot of times when we don't want to that's right <laughs> <laughs> because we're committed to it and we know what the end result is we know what we're working towards and so we're committed to to that vision that we've written out uh but then and then and so then the next thing is uh actually is really detailing what it takes so there's going to be you know, we kind of talked about insurance earlier. There's going to be an insurance component to it, uh, but how much insurance is is that? Don't you know? You don't want your whole. Uh, you don't want to wait to die before you before you create generational wealth because you're going to skip some generations. If you live to 90 years old and your kids are are 70 or 65 when you die, then you've been, you know not able to benefit. Uh, for themselves or their children by this generational wealth that you, you've left. So you have to figure out uh, in detail how you're going to go about doing that. And it's, it's, I won't say it's simple, uh, but, you know, you, it's something that you have to figure out. Then the next thing is, and this is going to be kind of your sketch. Your, this is going to be your go at it. Okay. Uh, but the next thing is to hire somebody that's a professional. 
um, it's, you know, it's, it's like your business, uh, your professional coach, you teach, uh, executives, you teach people that are already successful, how to be more successful and how to be more productive and, and, how and to be move. accountable to themselves. Exactly. And be accountable to themselves. And so now that you have your mission, you, you, um, you've, com- you, you committed to your mission and now you've detailed out in your mind what that looks like. You know, I'm going to have X amount of dollars of savings. I'm going to have X, you know, maybe 5 million of it's going to come from insurance. I'm going to have this real estate portfolio. Uh, and, and this is, so this is what I'm going to have. And, and then, so you, you got those, um, those first three done and now you're going to go hire a coach and you're going to talk to the coach. You'll be able to tell the coach your mission. You can show the coach that you're committed and you can show the coach in your eyes what it's going to take to get there. But now you're with a professional. So the professional can take what you have. They have something to work with. Right. And and they can actually help you put together a plan of action to move forward. And, and as you stated, keep you accountable to uh, for where you're going. The last thing is that you need to take you have to then take all of this and um, and meet with your family. Because I think one of the things that we don't do well enough is we don't communicate with with our children and our grandchildren and our spouses or significant others what this plan is. And we need to communicate with them what this is, what it, and why we're doing this. Why is this generational wealth thing so important? Uh, and, and in doing so, now everything that you do is geared towards getting to that plan, that place, to accomplish yeah. that, that mission. Everything you do. So when you tell your children, no, you can't have that lollipop, they understand, uh, okay, because we're trying to get to $10 million. And so this lollipop, one, is bad for my teeth, not good for my health, but it's outside of our budget. It's not, it's not within the plan. And so in doing that, you're now helping your family become disciplined uh, towards working towards this goal. And, and, then, and now they also understand, you've helped them understand why you're doing this. Uh, you know, when the Kennedys, there's a saying that when the Kennedys have a, a, a kid, a kid is born in the Kennedy family, they automatically get a million dollars. Wow. So, so if you are born with a million dollars, if you're born with a million dollars and it's yours at age 25 and they've invested that money uh, and let's say every 12 years it doubles. So uh, at age at age 12 and obviously you're not paying for anything you, you know they're not paying for school or anything like that but now you kind of are on your own right. you have four million dollars that's not a bad place to be that's generating well <laughs> nope not you're a bad up, place at all you're, you're set up for life <laughs> most people could live off of the interest or the dividends that are paid off of that if you if you're only getting getting six percent uh, per year off of that $4 million. That's $240,000 a year. Wow. You're automatically in that top 1%. You're 25 years old, right out of college. So imagine giving your children, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren that head start just because they were born with your last name and your or your blood. Not having to start from square but, A right, or below, step one. Or, or minus minus one. You or know, minus one. That's right. <laughs> a lot of cases. But yeah, not having to step start from step one. It's a wow. big deal. It's a big very, deal. Very, very, very big deal. 
They can, so, you can be your, your kid can be a teacher if they want to and make fifty thousand dollars a year. Now they make three hundred because they got two forty coming in from their trust. investments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those steps again were be committed to building the wealth. No, I'm sorry. Write the vision first right. and make it plain that you want to create generational wealth. Right. Then be committed to building that wealth, having that commitment that you are going to create a plan and uh, implement it. Then you said detail the tools needed for building that wealth, whether that be investments, real estate, uh, insurance, all that and above. Those are the tools that you need to build that wealth. Right. And it, even walk- could be your, it could even be because you built a, a family business or okay. a business that you want to be able to sell. So any of that, yeah. Any of that. Then you want to hire a professional, which that's a whole nother show all by itself. Yes. About really hiring people who have the expertise to help you build the wealth or to help you be more disciplined or help you hold you accountable to say what, what, to, to what you say you wanted. Right. And then family communication, which is another whole show by itself, you know, especially within the African American culture. Uh, sometimes that conversation never happens and too yeah. many of our family members die. I've experienced a couple of issues where property and different things have had to go to probate and mm-hmm. or the, uh, the attorney was given the uh, executor of a state and the attorney has taken years to, mm-hmm. you know, clear everything up. And by that time, the attorney fees would have ate, eaten up all the <laughs> That's right. That's wealth exactly right. that was left to, to the family. And so really having that conversation. So that's right. some good, that, good advice. Yeah. And that estate planning is going to come out of your meeting with your prof- your professional, with the professional right. advisor you bring in. They're going to help you understand estate planning and the purpose of it. The last thing you want to do is die without a will. You just don't want to do it. Right. Um, you know, I have, I've had people, you know, I've had people actually die and they've been divorced and they really don't like each other, but they never changed the beneficiaries on their 401k plan Wow! or on their insurance life insurance policy. And so now they're leaving, not leaving anything to their kids, but they're leaving somebody, something to their ex, somebody who doesn't even like them. Not in, and they're not even going to help pay for the funeral. So, that bringing that professional in is is, key, is very important. It's very, very, very important. I have my grandmother is going through that right now with her twin sister's estate. Okay. So now we're just going to move into what I call the shift zone piece of the show, where we just ask some questions that you give uh, uh, one def- definitive answer to to kind of help us understand how you keep your business of uh, going and thriving and how you keep your personal development um, moving forward. And so the first question is, what is one ritual or practice you have that you do daily to help stay motivated in life and in work? Uh, you know, I, I pray every morning. I pray every night. Okay. And, um, and I ask God to do two things. I ask him to do a, few, a bunch of things. I pray for over my family too, but uh, from a business perspective, I ask that he allows to be a productive day. Uh, but I think even more importantly, I ask that his light shines through me uh, and, and as I go through the day. And, and Marquise, my ultimate objective is to, 
I don't have to tell people I'm a Christian or I love God. Right. See that. See that. How am I walking? Treat people and how I treat them. Not perfect. Not going to do that one. (laughs) But but I do want his light to shine through me, even in my imperfections. That's good. That's good. What is one online resource or offline resource that you feel like has helped enhance your productivity? Uh, I, you know, I think I, well, one of the things that I do regularly, and I just came back from Las Vegas with the, uh, from a meeting with a, another group of advisors. We're all independent and, and we have a, an opportunity a couple times a year to come together and talk and talk about different ideas. And we bring other, we bring asset managers in or, or we have asset managers that come in. They actually sponsor a lot of the event, uh, or the, the, the meeting. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's about, 40 to 50 of us that come uh, every every year uh, to this winter meeting. But we, we talk and we uh, talk about things that are going on in each other's practices. We talk about ways to improve and do better. Uh, how do we, you know, I had a, I have a company right now that, uh, that filed bankruptcy and I have another company where the FBI raided their offices. Uh, and so their stock's not trading. Wow. And we talk through, talk through that. And so we're able to one, figure out how we're going to communicate our clients to help us understand what we want to do. We the pieces of that information. So we're able to, to help each other out through that. Uh, and then, you know, it's a learning experience. What are you doing that's successful? What do you think that's going to, what do you, where, where do you see the market going? What do you see your clients? What are they asking for? What do you, what, what's important to them now? The thing that's important to people right now is the fact that they're probably going to live 30 to 40 years in their retirement. And they want to know how they're going to make it. How, how am I going to make it from 65, 66 to 95, 96 or 100 years old uh, in retirement with the income, with, with the money that I have? How is that going to work out? So that's what I, I that's one of the things that I do. Uh, and I try to stay educated on on the markets, on op- investment opportunities. Um, and, and that really helps me stay uh, stay on the edge of, of, uh, of innovation within within my industry well that's a good that's kind of like a mastermind of some type where you all come together and have a round table and be able to bounce those innovative ideas and be able to address some of the challenges you may have been having with other people who are in your industry and have that same level of expertise so that's that's really good what is one book that's had the biggest impact on you (laughs) that's not the bible is that, yeah, is why should white guys have all the fun? Ah, that's so Reg, good. Reginald Lewis uh, wrote that. He's a graduate of Hampton University, Harvard, uh, in Harvard, uh, and he did the first. He was the the first really big African American uh, LBO or leverage buyout. And he did that back in the eighties of, of Beecher's Foods, but he wrote that book. Why should white guys have all the fun? And so, yeah, uh, good. I figure I ought to have some with them. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what are you reading right now? If you are reading anything, uh, I'm I'm reading. I'm not reading anything in particular right now. I, I do have a book um, by James McBride, and it's uh, the, I think it's called The Color of Water. Okay. It's the book. Uh, it's it's part of Nashville Public Library's um, public reading. Mm-hmm. So it's the citywide read. Okay, and that's the book that I'm going to um, start on. The other book that I, I 
I am in the process of or somewhere in is Bishop Walker's uh, book on reset. Okay. Nice. Yep. Nice. So finish the sentence, finish the sentence. If there was no option not to, I would. You know, that's, that's how I live life. It's, I don't have an <laughs> option not to. There's nothing that if there's something in front of me, I don't see an option to not do it. Okay. Uh, and so anything uh, that I see that I want, and, you know, I, I, you know, I, I believe that God uh, has put out there for me because uh, he never just delivers it to the front door okay. or, or puts it on my desk. You know, I always got to work to work for it. <laughs> but, uh, but, I, but I believe if it's there, then I can I can get it. And right. It's just a matter of figuring out how to get that get there. So I don't I don't I don't believe in an option not to. That's good. That's good. Now, I know you still you have young kids. And so. What is it that you all do or you do for fun when you're not working and doing all the big business deals? We uh, we, we do a lot of things. So my my 12 year old, he's he's a little athlete, plays football, basketball. Um, he can he can play. He could play something. He plays something year round. But uh, so we, we do a lot of that. Um, I think one of the one of the things that we do and we look forward to every year is just traveling. And uh, and literally, you know, my 12 year old, when he was maybe eight or nine, uh, he would travel with me all the time. And he had he, he had uh, status at, on Delta mm-hmm. Airlines. So he would get up. Oh, wow. Yeah. He'd get upgrades. on, on flights. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, his mom would get upgraded because he was getting upgraded. So. <laughs> Uh, and so we just love to travel. My t- two-year-old, uh, he just came back from Switzerland. Uh, so we, we, we go skiing every year and he and 12 year old. Uh, and so we just got back from, from Switzerland. Um, uh, and, uh, and so we just, we just look forward to traveling. And I think that, uh, there was a, uh, I was at the NTB over on Charlotte some years ago and there was a lady there, uh, older Jewish lady. And she talked about all the traveling she had done, and she and I, and she was after my own heart because even then I traveled quite a bit. Uh, and she said, you know, uh, one of the things that my dad always told me was that no matter what anybody takes away from you, they can't take away your experiences. And so once you've spent the money on travel, your creditors can't come get it. That's it. <laughs> you always have that experience. <laughs> nope, they can't come get that. Can't okay, come get it. So, uh, and so I've I've lived by that. I really uh, love for the children to have opportunities to travel and see other parts of the world. Uh, we have people that haven't been out of their neighborhoods. Uh, I, I was at a meeting yesterday, and the chief of police said, "You know, there are people, there are kids in Nashville that haven't seen the Cumberland River. And that river runs around the city, but they haven't seen it because they can't get there from." the invisible walls right, right. That, that are built around them and, and wow. the fact that nobody's taking them outside of those walls. So I'm committed to making sure that my kids, uh, and, and oftentimes their, their friends have that opportunity to travel and see other parts of the country. That's great. Well, we've come towards the end of the podcast and I want to thank Lee for sharing you know, his expertise and sharing some of his wisdom with us on today. There are two final questions that I always leave with the uh, guest uh, that I interview every uh, week. And the first question is, is 
What's one thing going on in your business right now you'd like to share uh, with the listeners? I would say uh, in, in my world right now, uh, and this is, again, this is, you know, part of the reset, if you will, or part of the uh, coming out of, of the, the, the down, the downtime. Um, I'm moving into this real estate development. Okay. World. And I've had opportunities over the years to do different projects, shopping centers. Uh, as I mentioned, I spearheaded the uh, Mount Zion's building programs and okay. acquisition. Um, but uh, you know, now it's it's time to to really be involved in in the city of Nashville and and, and regionally, uh, you know, the states that connect with Tennessee uh, to actually build something, to build things. So we're building now in the process of uh, getting ready to break ground on somewhere between 116 and 129 uh, high-end apartment units in in the midtown part of Nashville. And then right on the hills, we have a couple other projects that we're uh, we're looking at and working on um, from the real estate development side. And one of the reasons, Marquis, that this is important is... You know, it's it's one thing to legislate that uh, companies have to do business with minorities. It's different when that's just part of your mission. Right. And so when you control the purse strings, you can control who gets uh, gets change out of the purse. Mm-hmm. You can you can make that determination. And so instead of me uh, asking the city, which I think is, is the right thing to do, uh, I now have the opportunity to say, this is what we're going to do. I don't have to ask anybody if I can. Different it's approach. Yeah. <laughs> it's my money, so uh, you know, or the bank's money, or who are my investors' money. But they understand the mission, and so we can help create wealth by uh, hiring companies that uh, African American-owned companies and uh, African American women-owned companies that uh, are able to come in and do work. And if, and as you continue to progress in business, you're able to help them really generate scale. And, and, and it's, uh, it's always interesting to me. I talk to some of my, uh, white counterparts and, and peers and people that I know, uh, and they can never, a lot of times they can't find these, uh, same companies that I'm able to find. Uh, they're not able to find the Marquis, uh, Marquis Bradens to, Bradens to come in and run their companies or be in the C-suite. They can't find them. But as we build, mm-hmm. as we build our companies, we're always able to find them. Right. Uh, and so right. um, and, and so that's 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 real. It's real talk. And so now we have the opportunity as we create this economic engine to actually be intentional uh, about making sure that uh, the, the pie is 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 uh, sliced up fairly and other people get get part of the part of the pie. And it's not about taking anything away from anybody. It's just making sure others are included. At that's the, good. At the dinner table. You know, that's good. That's and, no, good. and no leftovers. Everybody's getting, <laughs> getting one plate. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah. And our last question for the podcast is in one sentence or two. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> what, what's that last piece of advice for that person who's on the other side listening, saying, you know, I'm really ready to shift my life into something greater, better? And I really know that I need to create that generational wealth so that not only do I benefit in my life, but that my children's children benefit. What's that last piece of advice? Uh, you know, I, I'm, it's, it's, it's easy. It's go back to those five steps that we talked about. Get step one done. Do step one. 
once you write that, write it out, you know, because most people don't write it out. Mm-hmm. So it's never real to them. And as they say, you, you have to have skin in the game. That's the first piece of skin that you put in the game. You've taken your time, your heart, your, your brain cells and all that are in you to write this mission out. Yeah. And you've, and now you've gone through the process of, of really doing it. So if you, you do all five of those steps and, uh, and it'll get you there. The, the, and then the second, sentence i guess that wasn't really a full sentence but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right thing, i think it, um i can't remember maybe the president obama uses but you have to believe and, and you have to believe that uh, whatever god has ordered for you whatever you uh you dream about because you have to dream you know, all the stuff that you dream about you have to believe that you can actually get it done get it done and if you uh and if you don't then you won't uh, don't let other people tell you you know like I, I have a lot of people that come to me and say hey lee i want you to get part be part of this uh, multi-level deal i want you to be part of this multi-level deal you can make a lot of money such and such quit their job doing that and i always tell them but i like what i do i love it because that what they were doing it's not that it's not good or it's not going to be profitable. It's just not where my mission is. And, and so I, I, you know, I pass on, I encourage no, I them to say that, yeah. and I tell them, you know, and when people call and ask me about it, I say, are you ready to quit your job? Because if you're going to make six figures doing anything or seven figures doing anything, that's all you're going to have time to do. Good, good. So staying on mission is the takeaway I think for today, staying on mission. If you stay on mission, the money will come. I want to thank Lee Millette for sharing with us today. It's been an awesome, awesome show. And I look forward to learning more about how I can build generational wealth and you can reach out or learn more about Lee Millette by going to his website at MoletteInvestmentServices.com. Shifters, it's always a pleasing pleasure to be with you each and every week. I thank you for supporting the Shifter Life Podcast and supporting me. You can download this podcast in iTunes. All you have to do is go to iTunes and type in Shift Your Life Podcast. And there you can subscribe and download it from my website as well at www.MarkeithBrayton.com. It has been an awesome, awesome day. And I thank you for supporting. And always remember this, shoot for the top because the bottom is overcrowded. God bless you.